Welcome to the 14th edition of Navigating the Energies of Life, a podcast that looks at how the energies of the Maya calendar are at work in the world and how they apply to daily lives. This is Marguerite Paquin, continuing with this podcast to accompany my horoscope blog that tracks the days of this calendar. Whoever may have heard the last podcast will likely recall that we were working with some very intense energies during the 13 days leading up to this current Tresina. I spoke about the fact that there was a very rare tripling of key numerical powers in play at that time, in conjunction with the energies aligned with the general idea of sacrifice and separation. There's often some high drama associated with this time frame, but what normally might have been an intense period really became more and more explosive as the numbers got higher and higher. The horrific West Coast wildfires spread across 12 states and sent thick smoke across the country reaching into Canada. For several days, Vancouver and Portland were neck and neck in having the worst air quality in the world. There was Hurricane Sally on the Gulf Coast, and then we heard about the catastrophic decline in wildlife that's taken place over the last 50 years. In the midst of this, more and more despicable information came out about the cover-up of critical information pertaining to the pandemic particularly through Bob Woodward's book, Rage, which was filled with information reported to Woodward by the fake president himself. Through this, it was learned that the orange menace, becoming more and more monstrous by the day, knew as early as February that the coronavirus would be, quote, highly contagious, airborne, and deadly, unquote but still did nothing about it. And the virus continued to balloon, with the global numbers of cases now over 31 million, getting close to 32 million, having increased by over 3 million in the last 13 days, with over 7 million cases now in the U.S. and a death toll topping 200,000 in that country. And as if that wasn't enough, the U.S. and the world lost the highly venerated Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a hero to tens of millions of people, probably hundreds of millions, and seen as a national treasure for her work relating to gender equality and human rights. As a quick reminder, we're working here with a calendrical system that has, at its core, a cycle of 260 days that involves the interconnecting and cycling of 20 unique solar forces in combination with 13 unique numerical powers to create a count of days called a Zulkan. Each of the 260 days in the cycle is unique and every person carries the energetic imprint of the forces that were in play at the time of their birth. Those energies greatly influence how people see the world and interact within it. 
Both the blog and this podcast follow the Mesoamerican calendrical tradition of timekeeping involving tricinas, 13-day periods each of which has a particular theme that ties in with the initiating energy on the first day of whatever tricina we happen to be in. A couple of days ago, on Sunday, September 20th, we completed the Etznab Tresina, that intense and often electrifying type of time frame that can often bring sudden change, often bringing dualities into sharp focus. Sadly, this was vividly on display upon the death of Justice Ginsburg two days before the Trisina ended. For so many people, the light of the world was instantly extinguished, as she was such a highly influential and greatly respected figure in terms of humanitarian causes and the fight for social justice. She was hardly gone a minute before the vultures started circling as they rushed to push forward their agenda to replace her. The level of hypocrisy in the Republican Party skyrocketed, escalating as quickly at the end of the Trisina as the temperature fell at the beginning of the Trisina, when it went from fire to snow in the Denver area, plunging swiftly from the 100-degree range to snow over a matter of hours. In the case of the Republican response, the hypocrisy level went through the roof. Then on Monday, we transitioned into the Schwen Tresina, a new 13-day period that was historically seen as the creation sequence in the Maya calendar, mythologically seen as the time frame that brought the world itself into being. As it happened, the last time this Tresina was in place was at the beginning of this year. It was the first full Tresina of 2020, which does give one pause. The Etsnap Tresina at the end of last year was all about the Iran crisis and the furor around the assassination of Iran's top military leader by a U.S. drone launched under the so-called command of the lunatic in the White House, who lied in his younger years to get out of serving in the military. All this was happening while his own government was in the process of trying to impeach and remove him. To many, it was one of those well-known diversion tactics. Create chaos whenever you need the focus of attention to change. And then we got into the Schwen Tresina in early January. So, what are we dealing with here? Well, this is all about creation and fertility. In Maya mythology, this time frame was all about the creation of the winal, or the 20 days that are a key factor within the overall cycle. There are 13 winnals within a 260-day cycle. The first day is known as one shuen, or one monkey. Think of this as a day governed by a playful, 
inventive, agile, and capricious monkey deity who sits at the center of the tree of life and gets to decide how he's going to weave together the threads of creation as he orchestrates the proliferation of life. The Zulkan, the 260-day cycle, was sometimes seen as a tree of life, and all the days are part of it, as are we. And one Schwen often marked important new beginnings or turning points, including such things as the coronation of Queen Victoria in 1838 and the official end of the U.S. Civil War in 1866. In 1914, the Women's Peace Parade, a huge anti-war parade, took place in New York under this influence, just after the start of World War I, with most women in the parade wearing either all-white or all-black. It was seen as a parade of mourning for what was to come. No doubt, many women now feel the same way, after the passing of Justice Ginsburg. In 2004, a major medicine wheel and prayer ceremony was held under this influence to stabilize and heal the earth at 20 sacred sites in the American West. The focal point was the Grand Tetons in Wyoming, with the 20 sites being spread around a 600-mile radius. There were also ceremonies in Australia, Ecuador, Guatemala, Ireland, Germany, and the Middle East. The last time this was in place, last January, hundreds of thousands of mourners gathered in Avaz in Iran to greet the arrival of the bodies of General Soleimani and the five other Iranians who were killed in the assassination attack two days earlier by the U.S. drone. A drone that was not authorized by the U.S. Congress, as would be required by the Constitution for any such provocative act against another country. At that time, there was a call by Iranians for a bounty of $80 million, $1 for every Iranian, to be placed on the head of the U.S. menace who had ordered the drone strike. The official position was that Iran will take revenge for this heinous crime, which they termed a cowardly terrorist attack. Iran then declared that it would no longer abide by any of the restrictions imposed by the 2015 nuclear deal. It is clear that the promotion of world harmony is not, not what the current administration in the White House is about. And speaking of crimes... Prosecutors from Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr.'s office made it clear in a court submission on the very first day of this Tracina this time that the case that they're pursuing with regard to the Orange Menace's tax returns relates to their investigations pertaining to potential 
tax crimes, which would include falsification of business records, insurance fraud, and criminal tax fraud. Yet another hearing is scheduled during this period, this coming Friday, in this lengthy, lengthy saga that's been dragging through one court after another for over three years now. I should point out that as much as there has been a great deal of potential, or there is a great deal of potential for creativity as this Tricina gets underway, there's also the potential for capriciousness, as sometimes people just want to dig in and not acknowledge new directions. Case in point was seen in 1633 when the Holy Order in Rome forced Galileo Galilei to recant his scientific view that the sun, not the earth, is the center of the universe. But when he was free of their clutches, he was said to say, and yet it moves, referring to what he knew to be true about the movement of the earth. I think we could draw a lot of parallels between this situation and what's going on in Washington these days. But you never know, on a more mundane level, on yesterday's One Xuan, Ellen DeGeneres addressed the toxic workplace allegations associated with her show and promised a new beginning. So some people get it and some people don't. I mentioned a number of important marker events in my blog with regard to this day such as the UN's International Day of Peace, the start of Climate Week NYC 2020, World Alzheimer's Day associated with the raising of awareness about Alzheimer's and dementia, Brazil's Independence Day, and the opening of schools in many places. Fall equinox comes in on 2 ebb, the second day, which is today as I record this. It's now been 100 days since the death of George Floyd, and many are asking what has changed. Indeed, there's been a great deal of attention on police reform and the global Black Lives Matter activism movement has definitely developed. BBC News just published a three-minute video that addresses this very question. Very fast action, but it did show that a lot has changed and a lot more still needs to be changed. This is also Elephant Appreciation Day, and I should just put in a brief word for animals here as well. So much needs to change to protect and care for these amazing creatures. The catastrophic loss of so much wildlife over the past decades is just horrific. I also have a link on the blog relating to Remember Me Thursday, which comes in on September 24th, which is a focal point day for a global campaign to increase awareness for pet adoption organizations around the world, a campaign to help orphaned pets to find forever homes. The day before that, September 23rd, is 3Ben. 
This is an activating type of energy relating to personal authority. This was the energy in place at the time of the first inauguration of Franklin D. Roosevelt as the 32nd U.S. President. At that time, he uttered the immortal words, The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert, retreat into advance. Don't we need to have that emblazoned on every t-shirt in the U.S.? This is the Maya birth energy of Opal Lee, born in 1926, who's still hanging in there as a staunch activist for equality. She's been campaigning for years to make June 19th a national holiday. In 2016, at age 89, she walked from Fort Worth, Texas to Washington, D.C., to petition Congress to make Juneteenth a federal holiday in recognition of the day in 1865 when enslaved black people learned about the abolition of slavery. Three Ben will be the first of two days for the beloved Ruth Bader Ginsburg to lie in repose at the Supreme Court so that members of the public can pay their respects. The personal authority aspect of this day ties in perfectly with the supreme authority that will always be associated with her memory and legacy. As it happens, the second of two days for her lying in repose at the Supreme Court will be on four ish, a kind of defining energy associated with earth magic, which was the energy that was in place in 1790 when the U.S. Supreme Court held its inaugural session, presided over by John Jay, the first Chief Justice of the U.S., who was born on 12 Eek, which comes in towards the end of this same Tresina. At this point, there are 40 days remaining until the election. On the following day, five men, which could translate as a blessing of high vision associated with the eagle, Ruth Bader Ginsburg will become the first woman to lie in state in National Statuary Hall at the U.S. Capitol in a tribute reserved for the most distinguished government officials and military officers after a formal ceremony in the morning. In Maya mythology, those first five days in this Tresina were seen as days when things of the heavens, the seas, and the earth were created. And when we get to 6 Kib, which will be September 26th, the first light was made, referred to as the first candle, when there was neither sun nor moon. 
I think it's intriguing that this was the energy in place two cycles ago when Joe Biden announced his candidacy for the presidency, especially since this energy is often associated with the restoration of order. At this time, this coincides with the UN's International Day for the Elimination of Nuclear Weapons. The following day, aligned with Earth-Oriented Action and Movement, is World Rivers Day, where attention will be focused on what needs to be done to decontaminate so many of the world's rivers that have now become dangerously toxic. Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement, which is the holiest day of the year in Judaism, begins this evening and ends the following evening. Atonement and repentance are the central themes for Yom Kippur. Would that this could turn the tide in the U.S. so that Republicans start doing the right thing and honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying wish that she would not be replaced until a new president is installed. Time to bring in major reinforcements, particularly on 9 Kawak, September 29th, a compassionate storm kind of energy that can have long-lasting influence. At this time, this energy coincides with Michaelmas, the feast day of Archangel Michael, and a Catholic memorial day associated with all guardian angels. This is the day of the first presidential debate between the obnoxious menace who just pronounced that COVID doesn't affect the young and Joe Biden. May Joe be accompanied by and protected by all those angels. And then we come to Ten Ahau. Now, I want to draw attention here to something very, very curious about this particular day, since, as I mentioned in the blog, it seems to have a kind of mythic quality to it which is not surprising because in Maya mythology, it's the 10th day of the creation sequence. The ancient notation related to what happened on this day is very cryptic as it refers to evil men going to the underworld. The line related to that has been translated as because of God the Father, also interpreted as because the word of God had not yet appeared. It's unclear what was actually meant by that, but in terms of the workings of the calendar, this day was traditionally oriented around the idea of taking the fire in conjunction with a house full sun energy. It tends to be aligned with the idea of accepting or taking on a task or a challenge, particularly a challenge that may have presented itself 20 days earlier. I'll come back to that shortly. 
First, I want to draw your attention to an article that I posted on my mayacalendararts.com site in April of last year. It's titled Revisiting Ten Ahau, and it was an update on an article written in 2010, shortly after the dramatic rescue of 33 Chilean miners after they had been trapped 700 meters underground in a copper gold mine for 69 days. The incredibly nail-biting situation had held the world's attention for over two months, and it culminated in that extraordinary retrieval on October 13th of that year, which was Maya date 10 Ahau. Not only did this event get my attention because it was so gripping, really, the whole world was watching, but it also vividly revealed to me some of the magic of the numerical forces associated with the Maya calendar. I included a graphic in that article to show the paralleling of the Gregorian date with the Maya date, with the Gregorian being 10, 13, 20, 10, October 13th, 2010, and the Maya being 10, 20, 13, 10. Maya calendar round date, 10 Ahau, the 20th day, 13 Yash, the 10th Maya month. Check out the graphic on that post and you'll see the crossover pattern. It's quite attention grabbing. In the article, I explained in detail about the meanings associated with each position in the Maya date, so you'll find that there as well. The numbers 10, 13, and 33 are important within this overall frame of reference. While I was working this through, I noticed several other striking things some of which might even pertain to what's happening right now. First, there are some interesting connections to Pope John Paul II, including the fact that Tanahau was his Maya birth energy. And in that article, I highlighted many of the numerical intricacies that came up in that regard. While I was checking into this, I noticed that this rescue occurred precisely 93 years to the day after the sixth appearance of the Virgin Mary to three children at Fatima, which was on October 13th in 1917, the day of the reported miracle of the sun. I also noted that her third appearance at Fatima had been on a 10 Ahau day in July of that same year. So here were more connections to both October 13th and 10 Ahau, and some more mirroring, this time to do with the numbers 3 and 9. 
I had been speaking about the 33 miners plus the six rescuers who had to descend into the mine to prepare the miners for the ascent out of the mine. They had to build a capsule to do this. Absolutely amazing rescue operation, technically in every which way. So there were 39 people traveling up and down that shaft. So 39 and 93, more numerical mirroring. As I was looking at all this, on and on it went with various ins and outs of key numbers and key ideas, a lot of which is highlighted and summarized in that Revisiting Tanahau article. But some of that is tapping me on the shoulder again and saying, let's have another look because of what's currently going on. In the context of all the political madness in the U.S., in the context of the grotesque hypocrisy playing out as Republican senators and the Orange Menace try to push through their agendas prior to the election, showing no respect whatsoever for Justice Ginsburg's dying wish or the rights and wishes of the American people, we see Ten Ahau coming back in at the end of September, the day after the first presidential debate between the Orange Menace and Joe Biden. As it happens, 33 days after that, one of those key numbers associated with the mine rescue, 33 days after the debate, brings us to the day before the election itself, Election Eve. That day is for Ben, which happens to be exactly six cycles since Hillary Clinton made history by becoming the first female to be officially nominated as a presidential candidate by a major political party. And, get this, 80 cycles precisely since the knee-buckling day when John Fitzgerald Kennedy was assassinated. So, this has to make one ask, what's going on with that? Is it all mere coincidence? Or is something going on at levels that we can only speculate about? Now, these are a lot of bits and pieces to try to hold on to without having graphics in front of you. But as I said, some of it is in that Revisiting Tanahau article, which I'm likely going to have to add to. But let's just isolate some of those elements. So Tanahau is an important burner day within the Ahau Enlightenment sequence of burner days, the second in a sequence of four. You may recall me speaking about Burner Days before and about the Three Ahau Burner Day that coincided with September 10th, which is the first in this sequence. The four Burner Days that are specifically Ahau Days are staggered 20 days apart, and they function as sort of energy pushes. Three Ahau was seen as a kind of announcer, thought of as 
activating the fire, in the sense of illuminating something, perhaps something important, that previously may have been hidden. That started this sequence. The second one is ten ahau, the one we're dealing with here, the one that is accepting the fire. Another one comes in in October, and the last of the four will be in place on November 9th, the day before the U.S. Supreme Court meets to deal with the GOP's challenge to Obamacare and several other key issues. So we have this burner sequence encompassing this intense lead-up to the 2020 presidential elections, and it doesn't finish until six days after the election, just prior to those hugely consequential Supreme Court hearings. So Tanahau is a foundational burner energy associated with Ahau's full sun and somehow cryptically related to the idea of evil men going to or being in the underworld. This mythological interpretation might have to do with the fact that the energy of ten is sometimes death-oriented or at the very least associated with absolute foundations, even spiritual foundations. And a how is always full sun. So it might have to do with that, basically the meeting between the underworld and the full light of day. In any case, in 2010, it played out with that dramatic rescue of 33 miners from deep, deep within the underworld, bringing them dramatically up into the light. In 1917, the Virgin Mary's third secret was revealed on a Ten Ahau day at Fatima, which apparently had to do with Russia and its deceptions and the grave implication of totalitarianism, much of what has been at the forefront of everything that's happened over the past four years. And now, uh, looking back again, we can see that four cycles after that third secret was revealed came the birth of Carol Joseph Watia, who became Pope John Paul II, who, in 1981, on Anahau Day, gave an act of entrustment prayer associated with Russia and that third secret. So, we have Tanahau connected with the Virgin Mary's pronouncements at Fatima, Pope John Paul II, Russia, and the rescue of the miners. And what about the evil men and the underworld part? Well, we won't be saying that about the Chilean miners, but they certainly were in the underworld and were involved with the rape of Mother Earth in the form of deep underground mining. Environmentalists might have a lot to say in that regard. <clears throat> and in addition to Pope John Paul II, we find that Michael Cohen, Trump's former personal lawyer, and James Comey, the former FBI director who was involved in that 
pivotal moment that turned the 2016 election, were both born under the influence of this same energy. The plot thickens. Michael Cohen provides a classic example of how a new fire birthday can serve as a great corrector. In that just nine days before his new fire birthday in 2018, which would bring him back to Tenahau, he pleaded guilty to eight felony counts related to campaign finance violations, tax fraud and bank fraud associated with the work that he did for the Orange Menace. As we were watching his testimony, it was as if we were watching his transformation unfold as his old self burned away. Since then, it seems that he's been working hard to make amends, including the publication of a scathing book titled Disloyal, a Memoir, the story of someone who witnessed firsthand what went on in the Trump world for over a decade. In an interview with Rachel Maddow, Michael spoke about the sleazy and highly divisive machinations orchestrated by that menace, equating him to a cult leader as someone completely devoid of empathy. Cohen also pointed out that the grotesque menace didn't really want to win the 2016 election. It was only supposed to be a branding opportunity. So this case could be seen as an example of how Ten Ahau, in this case Michael, was pushing towards enlightenment. Cohen was someone who was deep in the underworld, as in the hell hole of someone else's creation. But as the energies of his Ten Ahau birthday returned after completing a 52-year cycle, his new fire, Tanahau birthday helped him to see the light and set him on a path of redemption. Hopefully it will hold and stay the course. With regard to this 2020 election campaign, it was Tanahau that prompted Joe Biden to kick off his 2020 campaign two cycles ago because he couldn't stand watching the hypocrisy play out any longer and so decided to throw his hat in the ring and do something about it. The last time Tenahau was in place, last January, the entire Russian government resigned after Putin proposed a series of amendments to Russia's constitution that would have considerably extended his hold on power. And speaking of Tenahau, and now this is really strange, but given everything else, here goes. On Tenahau last January, apparently a mysterious burst of gravitational waves, distortions in space-time, hit our planet. According to scientists, it only lasted for 14 milliseconds but it baffled astronomers since they have been unable to find the source or cause of this. 
A staff writer for Live Science said that this mysterious cosmic event, picked up by the laser-based technology of LIGO, may have ever so slightly stretched and squeezed our planet. Although there is speculation that the gravitational waves could have been created by the collision of massive objects such as black holes or neuron stars, they don't seem to know for sure. But it did happen on 10 Ahau. Could this be the reason why 2020 has been so incredibly surreal? Did we get zapped somehow? Who knows? I certainly don't want to start a conspiracy theory, but it's one more thing to throw into that 10 Ahau curiosity pot. Okay, enough about that for now. I need to wrap up here. Check out that Revisiting Tanahau article in my mayacalendararts.com site for more of the specifics. As usual, I could go on and on, but for reference, the days of this Tracina are highlighted, as always, in my Maya Count of Days horoscope blog at whitepotpress.ca, including the last three days of the Tracina that I didn't get to here, which are also important and can often be quite intense at the end of this time frame. This horoscope blog can also be accessed through mayacalendararts.com, where you can find earlier podcasts, information on Maya calendrics, some posts on topics such as birth dates and energy cycling, and information on such things as coaching services and personalized artworks. For anyone who might like some assistance directly from me in terms of exploring how these energies may work within your own lives, there are a number of options outlined on that Maya Calendar Arts site. There are many different ways in which to work with these energies. As you've seen through this podcast and blog, I often provide examples of how these energies tie in with events and work in other people's lives. But until you actually start working with them personally, much will be missed. And of course, you have to have a good sense of the energies themselves in order to know what to look for. Feel free, if you wish, to contact me if you have any questions. Contact information is in the websites as well as information on subscribing to the Horoscope blog. Since... Pope John Paul II was so strongly connected with this Tresina. I'll finish with a few of his words. He said, A democracy without values easily turns into open and thinly disguised totalitarianism. Another one. Freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. Something Ruth Bader Ginsburg lived by. And since this is the creation sequence, this quote, None can sense more deeply than you artists, ingenious creators of beauty that you are, 
something of the pathos with which God at the dawn of creation looked upon the work of his hands. Yes, indeed. I should also mention that this is not the end of this creation sequence in Maya mythology. And in terms of Maya calendrics, it actually continues into the next Tresina. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg was born on the first day of that time frame. More about that next time. Until then, be well, keep safe, love to you all.